WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 8.15, you're tuned to the WGNS Action Line on this Tuesday morning, today, June the 6th. And this morning we'll be talking about the Murfreesboro City School System. I can't talk this morning. Schools Director Dr. Trey Duke is with us today, along with Director of Communications Lisa Trail. So how are both of you guys doing today? Well, good morning, Scott. It's great, great to be here. It's a beautiful morning, and um, we're having a great day in Murfreesboro City Schools. Absolutely. It's a little warm out there today, actually. <laughs> Just makes it great for recess. That, that's right, that's right. <laughs> now, is school officially out for the city, or is it still in session right now? So we're out. You know, we our last day was right before Memorial Day. We ended for our traditional school year, had a few days off last week, and then yesterday we launched our summer school program which will take us all the way through the month of june so you know summertime has really changed over the last few years as what we probably traditionally understood with a good two months off Um, right now we have about a week off between our traditional school year and then we start summer school which is a full school program from serving meals to crossing guards so i'm sure some of our listeners have noticed yesterday that they were driving through school zones again when typically they don't so um, we're, we are fully in our summer school program now did the first summer school program actually start around the covid period or was it held before that so this is actually our third summer school that we've had in a, 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 for the last three years. So you're right. Immediately after the COVID shutdown, uh, we launched a summer school, did it again last year. This is our third one. Now it's actually in state law that we offer a summer school program every year. Um, I think the difference in the major change this year was the last two years, it of course, has been completely optional. Um, this year, there is a requirement uh, with the new third grade uh, law regarding promotion and proficiency on the state test. And so this is the first year that we actually have students who are required by state law to attend summer school in order to be promoted to fourth grade. Uh, But again, we've offered great programs for the past two years, and we're excited to offer another great program this year. It seems like we have heard so much in the news, and this has really been nationwide, about third grade retention. So are we seeing any issues with that third grade retention rate locally? Well, um, you know, a third grade is a pivotal year, and I think that's really what the legislators are looking at when they pass this third grade law um, to say you had to be proficient on that state test or attend summer school in order to be promoted. So I think, you know, the... I don't want to speak for the legislators. I do think the intent behind that was to make sure that students were supported before they moved into fourth grade. Again, I feel like that's something that we were doing in Murfreesboro City already. the first year we did summer camp we had i think over a thousand students who had enrolled last year we had close to 800 students who were enrolled this year we're back over a thousand so our goal is to make sure that every child whether they're a rising kindergartner or a rising sixth grader um, have the supports they need over the summer to make sure that they're ready for the next grade level and as a parent of a student um, there was a year i sent my child through summer school just because hey let's make sure we're well ahead of where we need to be and ready for the next year so again our goal is to make sure our students are ready and are 
uh, going to be prepared for fourth grade. You know, when you look at our community as a whole, the city of Murfreesboro, it, it is a very fast, rapidly growing area. It seems like that third grade year is a year that a lot of parents make a move to maybe another city, which could be Murfreesboro for a lot of people. Is that third grade age, is that the biggest growth I guess, age that you have right now? Or is there another grade that's growing even faster? You know, it's pretty consistent across the board for us in all of our grade levels. You said people are coming to Murfreesboro. They want to live in Murfreesboro, which is great for us. We want to have a a city that's full of great residents. And so um, I don't, growth is something we're always going to deal with, I think, here and and something we continue to look at. How do we manage? Um, But we are really seeing that across the board. Uh, Our kindergarten numbers are very consistent as we look at the number of kindergartners we have coming in. Um, And I think it's just for us making sure we have that preparation in place for every grade level because it's not uncommon for us to have a fifth grader or a sixth grader move in for a year before they move on to the county system. So growth is just something we're consistently looking at. Of course, on the west side of town is where our growth is just exploding. Um, And that, of course, is Salem and Overall Creek and Scales and Cason Lane. That entire area of town um, just continues to see rapid growth and us continuing to make sure that we have Uh, supports in place for those schools. So are there plans on the drawing board for new schools in the near future? Well, I think that's something that we're looking closely at that our board is very, um, very much engaged in. And and we're beginning to have conversations at the city council level as well about our need for new classroom space, whatever that may look like, whether that's a new building on the west side of town or whether that's looking at maybe possible extensions or expansions at some of our existing schools to add classroom space. This next year is really gonna be really critical for us as we look and see what our enrollment was. If I go back last year, we grew, actually two years ago, we grew almost 5% in a year, which is pretty, which is about double what we typically grew, grow. This past year, we've kind of evened out a little bit. So really, we're going to be looking at next year to see what is our growth looking like. And um, we know we're going to have to have relief on the west side of the district. Um, So we're still thinking about what those different options are. And when you look at our growth across the city, um, are are there, I I know it sounds like you don't have the total numbers for this past year, uh, right at the top of your head, but have we seen any grade that, that did grow a lot faster than others, or was it, like you were saying, consistent all throughout every grade? Yeah, it was really consistent across every grade. There wasn't a specific grade that had just a, a huge influx of students compared to other grades. So it's been consistent as we look at all. Like I said, we really watched kindergarten numbers, and last year our kindergarten numbers were very consistent with what they were the year before. And how are we growing compared to other schools in other areas near Murfreesboro? Um, You know, I think when you think about our growth compared to districts across the state, we are obviously on the top end of that growth. Uh, Very few districts are growing as quickly as Rutherford County as a whole is growing. Um, And so that's something that we continue to look at. But um, Middle Tennessee as a whole is growing very quickly when I talk to directors of schools across Tennessee, there are many districts that are looking at kind of stagnant growth or even declines in growth. Um, so we are we are blessed to be in a growing and thriving community. Again with us this morning, Director of Schools, Dr. Trey Duke for the city of Murfreesboro. And again, we're talking about the Murfreesboro city school system. I, I know this past 
year, uh, county schools, they, they implemented or they uh, received additional federal and I think state money as well to focus on mental health issues within their student body. Is that something that the city of Murfreesboro was also able to take advantage of? Did you get additional funding to help with mental health? Yeah, in, mental health is something that we've been, uh, has been a focus for us in the city for a very long time and something that we're really proud of what we're doing with that. We actually just secured this past year a grant for about one and a half million dollars that is helping us with our district goal. Our goal as a district that our board has approved is to have a full-time mental health counselor in every school every day of the week. And I want to clarify, we're not talking about a traditional school counselor, which we still have those. We're talking about someone that can specifically work on mental health needs with students, whether that's in small groups, whether it's in one-on-one counseling sessions to help students as they kind of deal with what we call really big feelings they may be having. So that allowed us to hire three more. That grant allowed us to hire three more full-time positions, which means we now have five full-time mental health counselors in our schools every day working with students. In addition to that, we have great uh, partners with agencies like Centerstone and uh, STARS out of Nashville to have these specialists come in and work with our students. So we are well on our way. Um, We continue to look for other partnerships with agencies like Volunteer Behavior Health. So next year, I'm excited to say that we are going to be very close to our goal of having a full-time mental health counselor in every school every day. So if you were to look back over the last couple of years, maybe even last five five years even, and look at some of the behavioral problems of students, have you seen a real change in behavioral problems? And if so, on the mental health side of things, can you actually pinpoint, you know, hey, this is what we're seeing the biggest increase in? Maybe it's depression. Uh, what, what are you seeing? You know, I think what we're seeing is, you know, I think the kind of common denominator for us was to go back at COVID and say how much of this has come from students for, you know, a year and a half that were did not have as much exposure, did not have this uh, opportunity to interact with other students. So I think that's kind of a compounding effect of what we were already seeing, which we were talking about mental health needs before COVID happened. I think COVID kind of, again, maybe escalated it or, or, or put it in hyper gear to move forward. I think really what we're seeing is this ability of students to really help regulate with their behaviors, right? When, when they are coming across something that's challenging, when they come across something that maybe is not a preferred activity that they want to do, how do they regulate that? And how do they say, okay, I can overcome this. I can make it through the day. I don't have to, um, go to a place where it's going to cause a huge disruption. And that's really what we're working on with students. Um, I feel really proud of that work and what our teachers are doing, but specifically what our school counselors and these mental health people who are working in our schools, our faculty working with students. Because at the end of the day, we want, our goal continues to be to increase their academic achievement. We know that we're not going to be able to do that if we can't give them the instruction because they're struggling with some of those social and emotional needs. I've got, you know, just got to wonder, does social media at a younger and younger age these days, does it play a role in children's mental health? You know, I think it probably doesn't um, help. I know this, uh, there was just a report that came out with, uh, I think it was the Surgeon General who just released a study saying that their recommendation was to hold it off. And I don't, I think it was possibly 16. I can't remember the exact number. I know that came off again, encouraging parents to say, really evaluate how 
at what point you put a device in a student's hand and social media in a student's hand. Um, you know, it's a changing world. I don't think it's going away. And, and I think what we as a school system and really society have to do is begin to think about how do we moderate this and how do we use this in a way and adjust to make sure that we are supporting students in this new era. Um, I always say technology is one of those things that's very hard to slow down. Like once it's there, it's very hard to take it back. So then how do we make sure we're supporting students correctly and appropriately through the use of that? You know, there was a period of time where it seemed like parents were getting younger and younger, <laughs> but now we're seeing a lot of parents who are actually a little bit older, having their first child even. Is that, are we at big enough numbers where you're seeing that within the schools where the parents who are coming in for meetings they're obviously a little bit older than maybe even five or ten years ago. Well, I think I'm getting older, and so everyone <laughs> seems younger now. <laughs> so, I don't know. If this... I don't know that we've ever even looked at that. Yeah. I mean, I think a parent is a parent. If you've got a five-year-old, you're you're ready you're to go. You're obviously a parent. You're a parent. <laughs> if you're a new parent, whether you're 30 or 20, you're still a new parent. So, And I think everything that Dr. Duke is talking about is the same thing we have been talking about. We called it whole child, and it was, and it's still that whole child approach, whether it's making sure they're fed, making sure that they're ready to learn. So um, it really, Dr. Gilbert was talking about this years ago. It's just that COVID kind of put it at the forefront and at more talk about it, even though we were already seeing it. And, and sadly, some kids who come to school, their only meal, their only real meal during the day is when they're at school. Yeah, I think that's been true for, for years, though. I mean, that's where they're really looking for that breakfast and lunch meal. Uh, there's a lot of parents working really hard. And when you have extra mouths to feed, especially during the summertime, and that's the reason we do our child bus, all of a sudden you've got two or three extra uh, meals to prepare. It's hard on their budgets. I mean, there's it's just hard on the budget, whether you're working full-time or part-time or two jobs when you're trying to make sure that everyone is fed and every because you know everything's gone up in cost yeah i mean dr duke has teenagers i i don't have any teenagers anymore but man when there was teenage boys in my house they could eat a lot of food a lot more than i was ready for a lot of times so <laughs> what so, i will say that's yeah. one of the benefits of our summer school program and again yeah. we've done it like i said the last three years a full school program we have over um you know a thousand students right now who are at school today in five locations throughout murfreesboro city schools getting breakfast, getting lunch, getting um, reading and math instruction, but it's not just there, right? We also have our extended school program who has students registered this summer. And we've done that for years. So we've always offered a really robust summer option for families. The last three years, we've just really added that academic side. And, and kudos to our teachers and our school principals who are coming in and running a program for the entire month of June. Um, we're really excited about it, and we're really excited to see the growth academically we're going to see from this really good work that's happening in our schools. Now, I know there was a time in the recent past where I don't know if it was every city school they offered a free lunch or a, a free breakfast. Is that still the case? Are there still federal dollars there to pay for every child's lunch, or is it only certain schools? So it's eight of our 13 schools uh, have free breakfast and free lunch for every student that um, attends that school. Um, and then we have five schools that a parent or families can't apply for free breakfast and lunch, but it's not automatic. And that really goes back to federal guidelines based on the community and based on numbers. Um, 
of the students that they serve. So we're really proud that we can offer free breakfast and lunch in eight of our schools. Um, and for those other five, we work with those families so that if they need that service, they get that service. Um, so we always say if, if there's a family that needs that, we're going to work with them to make sure that they get what they need. Now, during this past legislative session, uh, lawmakers passed uh, something to allow for a school resource officer in every school across the state. And, and I know city of Murfreesboro already had Murfreesboro police within their school system. But does some of that money that has been allocated by the state, does it come back to the city schools to, to pay for those officers? And, and are you able to take advantage of that? Man, what a great partnership we have with Murfreesboro Police Department. And in a time when school safety is on everyone's mind, I always think the best thing we can do is having that school resource officer in our schools every day. It's a level of comfort for our parents. It's a level of comfort for our teachers and our principals to have someone whose only focus is just safety, uh, even though it's something we're all, wor uh, all worried and thinking about. So this new uh, grant that the state did pass through the legislative action to uh, put a school resource officer in every school, um, as you said, we're already there uh, thanks to the city of Murfreesboro. That is actually something that's funded out of the city of Murfreesboro's police department budget. It's not funded out of the schools. So again, that's a great benefit we have. So we are going to be able to take advantage of this, even though we already have it the city schools won't get that money but um, it's our understanding as we learn more about it that the police department will be able to request these funds to help reimburse what they've already been so proactive in providing for us and what is you know when you look at school safety what is the biggest concern among each school or as the city as a whole what what, what is the biggest concern about school safety you know, I don't know if there's any one concern. I think we all have the nightmare scenarios that we think about and we dread and we think, you know, oh, please don't ever let that happen here. Um, so I don't know if there's any one big concern. All I know is that when it comes to families, I always say parents, they want their children to learn math. They want their children to learn reading. But at the end of the day, they want to make sure that the students they drop off in the morning come home in the evening. And that's what we all take really seriously. And that's more than just preparing for nightmare scenarios. It's making sure we have good protocols and processes for fire drills and tornado drills and um, other kind of emergency situations that may come up. Um, it's something we've always looked at, something we've always prioritized. And every year, our goal is to get better. So that as again, as a parent who sends his children to public school every day, to feel comfortable dropping their students off, and that's what we want to do. And I don't think we can say enough about the partnership that we have with Murfreesboro Police Department. The chief made it very apparent early on there would be SROs in our buildings, and he has stuck by that. Uh, not only do we have SROs in every building, we have floating SROs. So if someone has to be out, if they get called to court for some reason, if they need a vacation day, there are others that come in and and take care of our children. And they're a resource, not just for safety, but they're a resource. It's nice for the children to get to know the police officers. They're helping with some teaching um, as far as some, they'll be teaching some character programs this year. So they're just a great asset for us. And the children just love seeing the SROs. I know one of the big issues, you know, really nationwide and, and probably every single school is that you have child custody issues. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that hits even harder when you're talking about a much younger age of kids, because sometimes they're not able they're not able to say, well, no, this week is supposed to be dad's week or this week's supposed to be mom's week and mom's pick me up. Is is that one of the big 
I guess, obstacles or, or things that does come up is making sure you have the right documentation as to who's supposed to pick who up? Yeah, and I think, again, I don't know if it's an obstacle more as much as we know that every family looks different and uh, family units are different. And, and sometimes there's parents and step parents and grandparents in custodial roles. Um, and so we always encourage our parents to make sure that they have the right documentation on file with our office. Um, at the end of the day, there are laws we have to follow. We want to make sure that we always send every child home to where they need to be on the right day, especially when that changes. And the, we work really hard to make sure we keep that documentation up to date, that parents give us that up to date documentation and we follow what it says. And uh, that really, we don't try and get involved. We just try and be more of the middleman to say, this is what it says. This is what we're going to do. Um, it continues to be something we uh, look at, but parents have been historically really good about making sure our principals have that information and our principals are great at going through that. Again, this morning, we're talking about the Murfreesboro City School System and School Director Dr. Trey Duke is with, with us today, along with Communications Director Lisa Trell. We're going to take a short break and uh, we will be right back. Again, you're listening to WGNS on this Tuesday morning. If you're not waking up to the Wake Up Crew, here's what you've been missing. You can only get that on the Wake Up Crew, right? Yes. <laughs> no one else is talking about it at all. <laughs> Don't miss the Wake Up Crew with John, Brian, and Dalton. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. If you're looking for an adoptable cat or kitten, be sure to stop by and take a peek in our cat room downstairs. For those of you that prefer scaly friends to furry ones, we have you covered at Animal City. Come in and find your next pre-loved, pre-spoiled pet here at Animal City. Here at Animal City, we would like to thank Murfreesboro for letting us be your family-owned and operated pet store for 33 years. You can find us at Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.38, you're listening to WGNS again on this Tuesday morning and our topic of discussion this morning, the city of Murfreesboro school system. And I know Director Trey Duke had to be somewhere. So with us right now, Director of Communications, Lisa Trell. And one of the things we went over talking about school lunches and, and how that looks during the summer, the child buses. That's right, our child bus, which is Combating Hunger on Wheels, otherwise known as our summer feeding program. Um, it is kicked off and, and ready to go this year. So I want to remind parents that that is available to them. We do have some sites that parents can take their children to. Anyone who is 18 years of age and below is eligible for this free food. And you don't have to be a part of Murfreesboro City Schools. You can be you can go to Rutherford County. You could be in from, you know, visiting relatives or whatever you need, but this food is available. Um, and our sites are Black Fox, Bradley, Cason Lane, Discovery School, Northfield, John Pittard, uh, the Discovery Center, and McFadden Center. 
as well as Patterson Park. So those are those sites that are always the same and they're not moving. Uh, but you can have breakfast there or lunch. And again, you go in, you just say, I'm here for the summer food, feeding program and they will serve you a meal. The other sites which are on our mobile buses, so our child buses, are Chariot Point Apartments, the 902 Apartments, Green Meadow, Rolling Acres, Spring Valley, and Abington. And that uh, is a rotating site. They're always there, but you're going to be looking for a school bus and not a cafeteria. You do have to eat on the bus this year. That is a new um, uh, requirement. Actually, it's what we used to have to do. And then when COVID hit, we were able just to serve off the bus. So we've gone back to the mandate of they do have to eat on the bus. But that's what the buses were created for. They have tables and chairs, and it's actually quite the fun experience. Now, how many years has the city been serving that summer lunch, the child bus? How many years has that taken place now? My guess, and if Ms. Sheely is listening to me, she probably is going to correct me. My guess is we're right around that 20-year mark. Uh, it's been going on a long time. And, of course, 20 years ago, Murfreesboro looked quite different mm -hmm. as far as the population. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we had fewer schools 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we started the child bus itself probably about nine years ago, nine to ten years ago, actually getting out to those areas where it's hard to get to the schools or hard to walk to Patterson Park or something like that. So that child bus is still relatively new. It's, it's under 10 years old. And um, going out to where the people are made a huge difference. And we've seen that replicated across the state through other uh, districts doing the same thing. As Murfreesboro continues to grow, there's going to be new areas annexed, I'm sure, in the future. Whenever that occurs, do you have to completely rezone every school out there? Or do you just have to rezone certain areas at a time? Uh, we try not to do complete rezoning very often. Most of the time it's a tweak here or there at schools and we try to do, do that as little as possible, but with the growth we do have to rezone. Um, we rezoned two years ago uh, for just a few few people to kind of scatter some of the uh, students out, and uh, but we haven't had an overall rezoning in years. And I guess the most recent school to open would be the one right there at St. Andrews and Veterans Parkway. Right. Uh, how, many, how many students are there now? Uh, there's around 980 students there. It's a thousand capacity, so it's right at capacity. It's the same uh, look happens at scale. Scales is a little bit over a thousand. Overall Creek is right at a thousand. And then Case and Lane is right at that 900 mark. So a lot of a lot of students over there a lot of children and of course it's not just us uh, rutherford county has schools in that area as well it's just a growing growing area now for anybody who's from this area if they were in school in this area let's say in the 80s or even mm -hmm. into the early 90s hearing that there's like a thousand kids in an elementary <laughs> school it, it, it kind of blows your mind it because does. it wasn't like that 20 years ago well if you think about i would let me think about 20 years ago uh, our newest schools would have been that would be uh, too long ago it's, it's, it's hard not to that That's yeah it's really 20, 2003 I, I think black fox opened maybe 27 28 years ago which is kind of hard to believe because black fox still looks new to me so you have to think about black fox in northfield and case and lane um if you're looking back in that era um 
Irma Siegel, John Pitter, they were all built for that 800 to 1,000 capacity. So we've actually had that capacity for a long time. It's just that it's now we're looking at overcapacity, and it's a smaller land area, if that makes sense. They're closer to each other, whereas whenever Irma Siegel and John Pitter, that feels a little farther apart, but they're still that 1,000, you know, 900 to 1,000 student. Now, in the city of Murfreesboro, it seems like the schools have been able to get away with not having to use as many portables mm -hmm. as you see some other districts using. And I guess that's part of that smart growth of designing the school to be able to hold additional students whenever that area grows. Right. Right. I think that our planners do a really good job with that, uh, not only from the school system, but also from the city of Murfreesboro. We've really looked at that. We've, If you think about the additions we've made, instead of um, adding those portables, we've, we've added on to Hobgood uh, twice, actually. Um, we've added on to Bradley. Uh, Black Fox, uh, just about five years ago, we added a whole new addition to that. Uh, so I think you're seeing more of those additions being added uh, versus the portables, which we have, to, they're, they're just hard to keep up. We do have a few portables in the city, very few, but um, it is it is something that our I give kudos to our city managers and our city uh, leaders, as well as our school board for thinking about what can we do to expand without adding those portables. And, and Black Fox was probably the last one that really had that big expansion on it. And of course, late last year, the city of Murfreesboro and Middle Tennessee Electric came up with swapping land. Right. And Middle Tennessee Electric had land near 840 off of Veterans, while city of Murfreesboro had a, a well, I guess it was just the opposite. That's where Middle Tennessee Electric swapped with right, right. the land next to 840 and now Murfreesboro city of Murfreesboro has land along veterans and uh, one of the things the mayor talked about was that land being used for not only a future park but a future city school any plans further along with the idea of building a new school there on veterans um I don't think there's any plans further along but I do hope that that comes to um to fruition for sure so yeah, the mayor did talk about that, and um, you know I hope that does come about because I think we're going to need that. But we'll see. It seems like it would make it easier, in in some way, on the schools mm -hmm. to have at least three schools on Veterans Parkway, but of course spaced apart. Mm -hmm. But there's something about having three schools all on the same roadway. It's got to make it easier to you know get from school to school, especially for the director. Well, absolutely. I mean, you have you know, the same thing whenever you're looking down Middle Tennessee or any of the other major thoroughfares. Veterans is a very, very long road. So you don't, I mean, Salem is off of Veterans. Overall Creek is off of Veterans, but you, they're really not that close together. You could not no, walk to them, no. that's for sure. <laughs> that's a big old long road. <laughs> and the way our city is growing, you've got neighborhoods and the houses are being built closer and closer together. Yes. So you're talking about so many homes in such a small you know square mile area now but you know a school makes a community and i think that is what people are looking for when they move here and what they really enjoy is having that community that school-based community that's how you get to know your neighbors is if your child's in school if you look at um 
what Howard Wall did years and years ago around Black Fox. I mean, that's a wonderful neighborhood that was built around that school and Kensington and everything. So I think that just really <laughs> helps establish those neighborhoods is when you have that school there, you have you have a built-in park because when we're not in school, our, our uh, playgrounds are being utilized all the time, which is really nice. You go in, I was at a school, um, yesterday and one of the schools that's not being used for summer school there was kids on the playground they were enjoying it they were with their families and that that really does help and it helps with the parks and recreation too to say here's a uh, playground that you can use on saturdays and sundays or after six o'clock or when we're not in school or whatever it works out to be so i think that does make a big difference in those communities and how much they enjoy that i think there's a lot to be said about having a school within a subdivision or right there on the outskirts of, of a mm -hmm. subdivision yeah. so that kids can literally walk to school i think that makes a difference yeah i think so too i'm you know we're where i live we're zoned to reeves rogers um, if i had a school child age child it would be nice to walk to school uh, but it is kind of fun to see the children who walk to school the ones who are able to bike to school we see a lot of bikes at case and lane uh, you see a lot of sidewalks being built uh, hopgood actually has quite a few bikers or at least they did they used to have a, quite a few bikers so i think that's just really nice to say you know this is my community this is my school and again that's kind of how you get to know your neighbors is whenever you're you see them you know in the fourth grade class with you, you know. That's <laughs> so, right. And that's where your playmates are and all of that good stuff, so. Now, right now, the city school system, it goes up to what, fifth and sixth grade in yeah, some it's schools? pre-K through sixth grade. Okay, mm -hmm. so sixth grade, and then mm -hmm. after that, uh, most of the kids change over to the county school system. Right, right. So we uh, create just a really easy flow to county schools into that middle school. So is there any thought in the future of, of going maybe up to middle school, or is that something that, uh, you know, you're going to let the county handle? I think the county will handle that. I think that was decided years and years ago, so I don't think we'll go backwards on that or for whichever way, not back. I don't mean that in a bad way. I <laughs> think that we're going to, yeah, yeah we're going to stick with what we are and, um, and do a really good job at that. And then when you look at all the different schools, which school is you know at its capacity or the fullest right now in the city scales definitely so, scales and that would be over there in the area yeah. of you know i guess everywhere between case and lane mm -hmm. all all the way up to st andrews mm -hmm. um and then out either side yes yes so that west side is definitely at the fullest capacity we again have seen a lot of growth in the black fox area there's some new apartments being built off of john bragg uh the one down manchester highway so that that area is also growing and uh but definitely the west side because i think it goes back to uh what you were talking about there's just more um there's less land and more buildings going up on that area and then when you look at areas like south church street i know the county has an elementary school out uh, veterans parkway near uh, South Church, which mm -hmm. is kind of the Barfield, Barfield. area or mm -hmm. the start Absolutely. of it. Do you foresee the city ever having a school in that direction? I don't think that's uh, anything we're talking about at this point. Uh, really not. That's not really where the flow is going and where we don't have capacity. So that's not been on any of our discussion boards. I mean, 20 years from now, who knows what was going to go that's on. True. You know, I know when we opened Overall Creek, it was a uh, pasture and um, I had a difficult time finding it, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> And Dr. Gilbert and I had to do a little four-wheeling to get to the site, and now it's an entire community that, um, you know, you just, 
I can't foresee the growth like the planners do, and I'm amazed at when how they're able to go in and put in the road work that is needed and, and the sewer and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm just amazed by our planners and what they can forecast. So, And then when you look out towards Siegel, mm-hmm. in that direction, uh, of course, that's where the VA is, uh, out near Thompson mm-hmm. Lane and Memorial Boulevard. It seems like there have been quite a few apartments you know, built there over the last couple of years and new neighborhoods pop up. Is that another area that's going to need maybe an addition to Siegel or a new school in that direction? Um, again, we have capacity at Siegel and we have capacity at John Pittard. So I think that we're we're looking pretty good if we the next school that we would need would be on the west side based on what we're seeing now. Uh, John Pittard does have room for growth. They're about 800 a little bit over 800 students and they can go up to a thousand. Irma Siegel is the same thing. Uh, They can go up to a thousand students and they're not there yet. So, um, and we've done, you know, we can move uh, different programs around if we need to. Um, Our pre-K programs aren't in all schools just so we have capacity at those schools. Um, Just really smart planning, smart um, rezoning helps a lot to keep those uh, schools open and full. Again, Lisa Trail with us this morning, Communications Director for the City School System, the uh, Murfreesboro School System. And we've been talking a little bit about growth and, of course, the summer feeding program and how all of that is going to pan out. And for anybody listening who missed the summer feeding part, where can you go in order to get the list of schools of where you know, you can go to get the free food for the kids. Sure. So you can go to our city schools website and it's just cityschools.net or you can look at our Facebook account or our Twitter account and that's all in there. I actually think it's on WGNS's website as well. So any of those places to go see that um, that program and once you get it in your mind, it's going to stay the same. So you know where to go and uh, kind of when to expect the child bus or which uh, facility you can go to and that's June and July. So go ahead and look at that and it'll give you a good idea of where you can find those breakfast and lunch. Lunch is always, we always serve more lunches than we do breakfast just because I don't think the kids get up. <laughs> I, I think that's right. I can, I can see that. And I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> now, with summer school, is it too late for a parent out there listening to sign their child up for a summer school session if they need that? Uh, well, summer school began yesterday, so it would they need to be signing up really quickly uh, or they're going to lose most of that summer school experience. Um, with the third graders, they can only really miss two days of summer school and it count as summer school. So today would, you would, I think we've contacted everyone who needs to be a part of that. But if it's something where they're interested, they certainly can count, call our instruction department and talk to them. Uh, and we have a lot of summer camps going on. ESP has some tremendous camps this year. So on, again, on our website talks about all the camps you can still register for. And those are still, several of those are still open. Some are closed just because they met, met capacity, but there's still a lot of summer camps out there. And before we lose our time, I do want to talk about kinder camp because it's very important. Uh, kinder camp is for any child who is reg- who registered for school, has already registered for school for kindergarten and uh, starting this summer. So if you want to, if you're a kindergartner, you need to be five before August 15th. And kinder camp will be at each school. It's from July 24th to 27th. So it's a Monday through Thursday. 
it just allows those kindergartners to get in the school, in their school, get to know their school, a little less intimidating than going that first day of school. And then you have all of, you know, first through sixth grade with you as well. So this is a really good way of getting to adjusted for that new first day of school. And it is so much fun to watch these kiddos uh, learning how to go through a cafeteria line, learning how to give each other a little space, you know, what is morning meetings look like and all of those kind of things. So again, I, I think kinder, kinder camp is probably one of the best things you can do uh, with your child if they haven't been in that school prior. With all these different programs going on, I, I know a lot of teachers are needed even during the summer now, mm -hmm. but is it hard to find enough teachers in the city? It's hard to find enough teachers anytime. We are obviously in a teacher shortage, but our teachers have been tremendous. So our summer school was fully staffed early on. Uh, our teachers raised their hand and said, I'm willing to get in there and help. Uh, our ESP program um, is staffed by uh, our not only teachers, but other ESP workers. We have a lot of those college students who are going into teaching fields that help with the ESP programs. And Kinder Camp is actually staffed by our kindergarten teachers. And they believe so much in it that they're willing to come in and teach that because it makes the school year start so much easier. So, um, yeah, I mean, you we're always, we've got a few teaching positions open right now that we're trying to fill. But I think in general, we have some of the best teachers that you'll ever find with the biggest hearts and willing to do what's right for kids, even if it means giving up a week of summer. Are there any hiring fairs coming up for not only teaching positions, but maybe even custodial or office positions available? We don't have any hiring fairs coming up, but all of our open positions are on the website. So you can call and ask about any position, or you can just go to our website and it says apply now, go ahead and it'll show you everything that's open, whether it's certified, uh, which is be a teaching position or a classified position, which doesn't require a teaching license. Um, so yes, there's, there's positions open, bus drivers, uh, maintenance has, a, I think, one opening. Um, I was trying to think. I was looking at the website yesterday. So we do have a few uh, EAs, so educational assistants, that doesn't require that teaching certification available as well. We have a STEAM teacher that's that's open, um, and we have a position. There's there's four or five different teaching positions without within the city that we would love to talk to some teachers. Now, with the city school systems transportation mm -hmm. system, they don't. The, the, the bus drivers don't have to own their own buses like what you see at the county system, right? Right. Our bus drivers are employed by us. Uh, they are our buses. So you do have to have a CDL license to drive a bus. But we also do that training. If you, are, if you don't have training, we will train you. Uh, we have bus assistants that are on those buses learning how to do routes and learning how to get kids on and on, on and off and also... Uh, helping you with that CDL license. I know over the years, sometimes those different bus drivers that you've had in the city, they have been so well loved by students because they're often with the students from, you know, first grade through sixth grade. Absolutely. So they're seeing them every day. They're the first face they see. And it is so fun to ride a bus in the mornings and see uh, by the about the third week of school, the bus drivers are calling the children by name and they're going, hey, Scott, come on. Or, you know, you've, you've lost your backpack or whatever it is. So they are the first greeting those children get. And it makes a huge difference to have a friendly bus driver just saying good morning.
Yeah, it, and again, probably makes a huge difference for the ones that have been there for years yeah. who are with those same kids year after year. They do. They see them grow up. Pretty neat. Again, Lisa Trail with us this morning with the City of Murfreesboro School System, and uh, I think we covered it all. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it so much. And we'll have you on again real soon. Yeah. Right now that time, 8.58. Stay with us. We've got CBS News coming your way in just a minute. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas' Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak where my wife will end up getting her salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves her salmon. It's one of those places that you can go. You can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. <laughs> 